Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. It is Myth Monday. Ben and Brian are here. We're going to be sharing another outdoor myth with you today. This one's going to be in the wildlife category. We're going to be talking about snakes again. So if you don't like snakes, stick with us. Hopefully you'll feel better by the end of this because we're going to debunk some really common uh, misconceptions, some some myths about snakes that a lot of people think. Uh, But we're going to be specifically talking about slime. Snakes are not slimy. Some of you listening to this are probably thinking, uh, duh. However, we hear this all the time. Ben, you and I have handled a lot of snakes. We've done so many programs, uh, so many encounters. I mean, probably hundreds and hundreds of hours each holding a snake and, and sharing that with people. So uh, we hear, we've heard it a lot. We've heard about, I don't want to touch, it's slimy. We've heard all these things, but we are here to tell you today, snakes are not slimy. We want to tell you what, what they are, and uh, hopefully you'll learn something about snakes. Yeah, my awakening was holding a snake in my hand, educating on the snake, and when people would touch it, that would be their comment is, wow, mm-hmm. that isn't slimy. You know, they pull their hand back, look at their fingers, it's not slimy. And so that's that's why we're excited to share this with you today. Yeah, and it wasn't, it's not like a uncommon myth. It's, if we had 10 people come up, six or seven of them that had never touched a snake before probably said, oh, it's not slimy. It's not slimy. And, and see, I never even thought that it was so right. that was kind of my uh but we've we've been around snakes and people handling mm-hmm. snakes and things our our whole life correct um and so the reason they're not slimy is because they are a reptile and reptiles have scales and no reptiles are slimy that's not what reptiles are however there is a group of animals that are very similar to reptiles at least in appearance and that they are cold-blooded um, that are slimy and people kind of can get those confused and we're talking about Amphibians. Amphibians, right. Mm-hmm. So what, what would be some examples of those, and why are they slimy? Bullfrog. Bullfrog's a great Amphibian. one. Yeah. You know, that <clears throat> the slime, when you touch a bullfrog, you let that bullfrog go, you smell it. It sticks You've got to a you. little stinky slime on it, your it hand. It does, yeah. But the reason they need that from, from a biological perspective is amphibians spend the early part of their life um, aquatic. They spend that in water uh, until they go through metamorphosis and become a terrestrial um, and they don't fully develop their lungs. So their lungs cannot properly provide enough oxygen to their bodies as adults, so they actually have to perform what's called cutaneous respiration. So they're going to get some of that oxygen through their body, and they have to have this slime that they produce to keep their skin wet and moist to help cutaneously respirate. And so because they absorb, that's something you and I, honestly, to take care of that animal, we rarely touch them, and if we do, we we do try to wear a glove, especially right. as we're out exploring, seeing these these awesome amphibians. You know, an yeah. example, salamander. Another, yeah, salamanders, uh, even toads. Like that was a really common thing to to pick up or for kids to play with. Um, they they don't have the slime, which is we always talk about. There's always this exception, but they do have to stay moist. Um, and our oils can can repel water. So oil from our skin, we all have oily skin. Even if you rub your fingers together and it doesn't feel oily, you do have oils on your skin. And if you get that all over an amphibian, your oils actually repel the moisture in the water that they need to help them breathe. So mm-hmm. it is actually 
can be detrimental to uh, handle or overhandle an amphibian, and it's better to wear gloves if you're going to do that. Right, exactly. Also, you don't want to get warts. <laughs> That's our next myth. We'll, we'll talk about that next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's on our myth list. Huh? But the third would be fish. So fish have scales mm-hmm. and have slime. Yeah, so they, but they don't, don't get the misconception that they cutaneously respirate, though. They have gills, so right. they have a whole different... Uh, uh, Call it a breathing mechanism, but they're really just, yeah, that's how they get off. But covering the, the bodies, we're talking reptiles have scales, amphibians have slime, and fish have both. Yep, that's yep. the best way to remember it. And right. uh, one of our favorite programs to teach, and the one that was really popular, um, fortunately right now we don't have the animals to go teach it, but was slimy versus scaly. It was really cool to put those animals side by side and actually see and feel the differences. Right, it is. So, People never wanted to touch these snakes. People never want to touch snakes when we have them out, when we're around with them. Um, and it, it's kind of a weird thing that that when they touch them, they they say, "Oh, it was soft." And in my mind, I'm thinking, "Well, what did you what did you think? Think it was going to be really hard, or think it was going to sting? Like, what did you think? But it is soft. It is really soft. The smooth scaled." definitely are soft for sure right so you're going to tell me there's another type of scale that isn't there are snakes that you would feel that aren't as smooth right as especially what we have here locally and those scales are called keeled um the water snake is one that's like that um a lot of desert snakes have keeled scales which basically means rather than being a smooth scale it it has some shape to it so when you feel it it's going to be more like uh, rough sandpaper yeah and when, when you and i are handling snakes we're not handling venomous snakes, and that's not what we're we're digging into to talk about today. So when we're talking about touching these snakes, what's on their body, getting close to them, you and I aren't messing with venomous snakes. We're talking about non-venomous. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We we are. Um, you know, I have through some research programs in undergrad had to uh, work with venomous snakes. Um, we we're super precautious. We didn't handle them with our hands. It was always using a tool, something to separate us from them. But yeah, we we've handled like so many unvenomous snakes, and that's mainly what we're talking about today. So don't Correct. get confused that that Ben and Brian are picking up copperheads and rattlesnakes. Um, there are people who do that. Uh, we aren't them, and we don't recommend that you be that person either. So, what I want to understand, Ben, is why do you think there is this misconception about snakes being slimy? When you look at one. Most of the time on land, there is a shine to it. They look shiny. Correct. They do, especially a black snake. Yeah. Any of the dark color snakes, um, they tend to look more shiny, and that's my guess. Slimy, I uh, maybe because I don't know. It's got to be because of the the shine. Yeah, and I think that whole slithering motion, like the way they move, it almost like you would think that they have to have gross, maybe kind of gross, or they they have to have a lack of. A friction to move and we'll, I'll get into how they move later because it couldn't that couldn't actually be further from the truth but mm-hmm. um, yeah I think the shine is definitely that and and snakes actually have skin that they shed so they have a skin covering all of their scales covers their whole body and they have to shed that meaning they literally crawl out of their skin um, sometimes if it's a really healthy one um, once it starts to be loosened they're gonna start from their head and they're going to rub that head up against uh, something uh, like a rock or a corner of a building or uh, maybe a hard log, and they're going to kind of get it loose, and they're literally going to 
crawl right out of their entire skin and a healthy one you'll find the whole shed skin the full length of that body and it's kind of a cool thing to pick up and look at it's like when we outgrow our clothes if when your clothes become too tight that's a really good analogy Yeah. yeah as they grow obviously that skin is not shouldn't say obviously the skin is actually not growing with them so as they grow they do have to to put on a, that whole new layer. They've put it on underneath that layer that they have, and they have to get that that old one off of there. And when they do that, right after they shed, is when they are their shiniest. Mm-hmm. They've got that fresh it's beautiful. skin. They're beautiful, so colors. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Their colors are more vibrant, and they're super shiny. Um, and most of the time, um, if you're encountering snakes, it's after that shedding has has occurred. And I think that goes to that misconception um, when they get dull to the point where they need to shed their skin. Uh, we call it bluing. They'll actually go to a bluish. You'll actually, they have scales over their or eyes, the skin over their eyes. Um, it will actually turn a dullish gray blue. When you see that occur, they're, I'll say, moody, and they're more reclusive. So most of the time when we are seeing snakes or when people are handling or showing snakes, it's when they're in a good mood, which is right after they shed. So that's when they're the shiniest. So that's when most people are seeing snakes. I think that goes into that's good too. to feed that feed that myth, feed yeah. that misconception. And, and the eyes, they do cloud over. I mean, it's very cloudy. It, yeah, it's really easy to see. And, and it's difficult for them to see also, which puts them in a guarded state. And you right. have to be careful when a snake's in blue. I'd, yeah. Leave it alone. Well, and, and for us, it's kind of, uh, we talk a lot about respect, and it goes to the respect of that animal. If we know they're uncomfortable when they're in blue, then we should stay away from them. And we do. Even snakes that are super trained and, and love to be handled, when, when they're blue, it is uncomfortable for them. Um, they're a little moody, so we would put them on kind of a hiatus, and we, we don't take them out and show them or teach with them when they're in that state. And to give some perspective, you and I were handling these animals. majority of these, these animals that we had um, could have been from an agency that no longer could use them. We're not talking about something that we went and got from the wild and said, you're going to live here now. So yeah, that's kinda... against, that's against the law unless you have acquired what's called a collector's permit from, right. from the state agency, wherever you live. Yeah. Right. Um, so there are native snake breeders that you can buy from, but a lot of these would be re- rehabilitated animals that could no longer go back and live in the wild. Right. Um, I mentioned snake movement, so they are, they're slithery. Everybody sees a snake slither, and that's kind of that thing that makes people go, ooh, you see it, you hear it. I think that's part of why people think they're slimy, because in our minds that slime reduces friction. If they were slimy, it would reduce friction. It would make it harder for them to move. So how snakes move, it's kind of hard to understand. They have really long spines throughout their whole body. And attached to those spines, just like us, are ribs. And we have ribs down each side of our spine. They have 400 ribs all the way through their body. And attached to every rib is a tiny little muscle. Excuse me. And so their mode of movement is called lateral undulation. So think of it kind of like a ladder. We'll picture the ribs like a ladder. And each ladder rung has a muscle to it. And it'll start at the top of the ladder towards their head and that muscle would flex and move and then the next one and then the next one and the next one all the way to the end of their tail. Now, they have bigger, broader scales on their stomachs and if you run your hand one way on a snake's stomach, it is smooth as glass. If you run it the other way, you can't even hardly do it because those scales flip up and it's catchy so snakes can't go backwards, right? They can only go forward and they actually, with those muscle movements, have to have something to grab onto. So if you put a snake on ice or on glass, 
they will sit there and try to slither and they'll do it in 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 in, in one singular spot they cannot move so they have to have those 400 tiny muscles on each rib flexing one after the other in order to move so as they get to a rock or a tree root or something to push off of just like when you're climbing a mountain you're trying to look for those footholds to put that's what they're doing when that when they're undulating you explaining the slithering remind me of like being in a sports arena and the wave starting yes you know what i mean like you really have to use muscle everyone's standing that's up that's really good and it, and it just keeps continuing all, all the way and then if you keep doing that full circle you would have your your movement yes i've been in baseball stadiums with fifty thousand people doing that going all the way around that is really cool actually <laughs> it is actually it's cool, like yeah. one big team of fifty thousand people working to do the same mm-hmm. it's a pretty pretty interesting thing so you have seen it everybody's seen it some of you listening to this are like can you please never talk about snakes again some of you, some people never listened to this because the title was about snakes. Why is there this just underlying, overwhelming fear of snakes for so many people? My answer to that, I think I have to turn to the Bible. And the reason I say this is because there isn't an explanation out there other than turning to the Bible. And when I came across this years ago, and then you and I, when we worked with snakes, I realize that there are so many people that are just scared of them. Some people maybe have never really even seen one, been around them. Think about you growing up. You may have been not even taught about them. Right. Um, just no, having no information, when someone sees one, they almost jump. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge anyone listening, if you're like, I'm not scared of snakes, I would challenge you to look, think back. I guarantee it at one point you were. Right. And I'd also challenge you to, if I threw one at your feet, you standing still doing nothing would be pretty tough. Man, I've seen big, tough cowboys cower at the thought of a snake. Yeah. At the sight of a snake. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like, why? You know, I mean, why is this little snake so scary to people? And I found it in Genesis three fourteen through 15, and I want to read it. Cause right, smack dab at the beginning. It's right there in the beginning. Yeah. You know, so it says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now here's the crazy part. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I was just like, so why are we scared of it? Because... There's a curse. <laughs> it's, define it's, that. Define that word there. That amnesty between between woman and and every child. Yeah, I mean, if you look up the actual definition, it's going to state it is a state or feeling of being actively opposed. So these opposites, um, you know, having like hostility to someone or something. So it's that it's that opposite that's and and you see that we see. So I mean, even children going out that's never been taught, they see a snake, they they get scared of it. Yeah. It, it, and you mentioned the word taught there. You you can teach the other way, you too. You can. And the same goes for the snakes. But something, I remember one time I was I was in a, a Bass Pro Shops in Kansas City, Missouri, and we're talking about fear and people's reaction to, reactions to snakes. Um, we were set up with animals just uh, showing so people could come by, um, encounter. I could teach them about them. And that's really cool because we we would allow them to touch these snakes um, and as I'm standing there, this, this, these people come up, and it's a family, it's a group, and they're kind of looking at one animal. I think it was an owl that somebody else was handling. 
And as the whole family is looking at this owl, the mom looks over and sees that I'm holding a snake three feet away. She literally drops to her knees in a ball and is crying. Mm-hmm. And the family turns around and I was like, what has happened? What? And then they look over at me and see that I'm a snake and they all start laughing. She was not. She was genuinely so fearful that she was hugging her knees and crying in a public place. Yeah, all because of a snake that was so far away from her. Bennett was asleep on my arm. <laughs> it was sleeping on my arm. Right. It's it's it's. I don't like these word innate, but reading what we just read and seeing what happens to a lot of people, there's a lot of truth there, man. There is. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that and finding that. I think that's a really good a really good point. Um, but what I want to talk about in, in the learning and the taught aspect that you, right. that you mentioned, you know, my son, when he was two, when I first caught a snake and brought a snake around and we were reading about snakes, there was this fear and there was this, ew, snakes, no, gross, I'm scared of snakes, daddy. Well, now I catch snakes and I show them safe snakes and we put them in a sandbox and, and he'll literally, he'll play with them. He'll build them little houses and, and you know, I've taught him, you don't, you don't touch a snake unless you're with daddy because he's not at an age to where I can teach him the differences between venomous and non-venomous. So he knows that if daddy brings it to him, that it's good. But now he wants me to catch snakes. He wants to have snakes around to play with, to see. Sometimes we go out and look for them when a year and a half ago, he was scared to death of a snake in a book. Here's the difference though. So you could probably say the same thing about a dog. Mm -hmm. So, your son at one point probably could have been nervous around that dog, scared of that dog. But as he starts growing, gets a little bit older, he starts, oh, dogs are are okay for the most part, right? We can talk, we can touch them, we can pet them now. Then they begin to lay on the dog. They're okay with the dog. But if he was to go several weeks without the dog and he turned around and saw a dog, he's going to go, ooh, it's a dog. Mm-hmm. That's what's different about a snake. Yeah. For a lot of people. And I'm, I'm even talking about myself because I've handled snakes. I can handle snakes. Um, I've learned through time how to handle them and, and keep myself calm so that the snake will be calm, which I want to talk about here in just a second. But my point is this. When I'm walking through the wilderness, when I turn and I see a snake, even though I've handled them, I've touched them, I can identify it's, if it's venomous or not. Makes you jump more than anything else. It does put a little fear in me. I mean, I jump may not even see it on the outside, but on the mm-hmm. inside, it skips the beat. I mean, your heart skips for just a second because it's a snake. Right. And, and that's that, I'll call it the curse. That's that's the thing that is in almost everybody. You have to work through that if you're going to work with those snakes. You you have to work through that to to even be around them. Right. And, and you'll see the people that, that haven't, they will literally run away. An example, when I was running those programs, those animal programs, I would leave the snake for the last, the last part of the program. That would be the last animal I would bring out. And the reason is because when, as soon as I would bring that out of the out of the bag, we use pillowcases, yep. as soon as you would bring that out and people would see that, you lost the entire crowd. Everyone's either going like, oh, wow, or you have people standing up and leaving. Right. It totally disrupts everything that you're trying to teach and share. So then I have to reel them back in. Well, for me, it was fun because uh-huh. it was a great way to kind of wrap up your, your program. Yeah, sometimes your front row would invert with your back yeah, row. Yeah, real quick. I mean, they would move. I yeah. mean, just like parting this, the, the sea, they would, they would move uh-huh. quickly. And you would have to reel them all back in. And that's when you could be in your education, you know, and, and be like, is this snake biting me right now? Is it attacking well, that, me right now? I was going to no. say, that's what's so funny about that is 
you just stuck your bare hand into yeah. a bag that you couldn't see in and pulled it out, and you're okay. Yet the people that are ten feet away, when they see it, they're out of there. Yeah, I mean, leaving the room, not coming back in. They're not even processing just because it's a snake. It's a snake. Yeah, right. Um, something interesting, and this goes for a lot of animals, but we're gonna we're specifically talking about snakes. Is they can learn too. You know, when when we would get a new one, and and you have to go, which I was the animal trainer, so when we're going through this training process. To train a snake, you're really just familiarizing them with you and letting them understand, look, I'm I'm going to hold you and I'm going to feed you and I'm going to take care of you. And they do, they get this understanding of that and they almost lose, they lose this fear of you. They kind of build this trust and this relationship with you. Now, I did mention when they're bluing, they kind of lose that. They get moody just like people do. Well, that's why you didn't take them out on programs. You you learned and you knew when, right. when the best time to handle them was mm-hmm. and when, when it wasn't. And then also you have different species of snakes have different propensities to to be um, more, I'm not going to say violent, but uh, aggressive, more maybe. aggressive than yeah. others. That's a good word. And then also, even within the same snake species, you may have one snake that is awesome to handle, and then a snake of the same species, maybe his brother, is not awesome to handle just because of their personal characteristics and that's kind of what we'd call a personality yeah you know they all have um, their own personalities you no know, you and i if, if you go out and you you uh, found a black snake the next day you find a different black snake mm-hmm. they will have different personalities some will. will will be more agile okay to touch uh other ones are a little more aggressive and you have to yeah. you have to be i mentioned caution. the snake sleeping i want to say this before i wrap up they because because they're cold-blooded and they're and they're getting warmth from you when you're holding them, and they can feel your literally feel your heartbeat through through your veins and and arteries in your arm as you're holding them. If you were super super nervous, so were they. <clears throat> Excuse me. And once you learn to be calm and calm your heart rate, and as we are training people to handle them and to, to teach with them, that was we'd say take a deep breath. You've got to calm that heart rate because usually the first time people go to handle snakes, they're so so nervous. Mm-hmm even though they're watching you handle them. Once they learn to keep that heart rate low, you can literally put a snake to sleep in your hand. You are warm, you're calm, so is it. Yeah, as you were training um, other people, uh, even you know teenagers, to do this, it was neat to see that when we had a really good snake, a very calm, awesome snake, doesn't bite, you know, does great mm-hmm. on programs, um, when you would have, I'll call them newbies, people that are just now starting out right. that are nervous. Trainees. Are, trainees. There you go. There's my, there's the correct lingo. <laughs> my trainees, your trainees. Um, you would see this snake constantly move in their hands. It just it kept, constantly kept moving and moving. And it would do that until they started calming down. If you take the same snake, put it in someone's hands that were calm. Right. It would just calm down and, and coil up instantly. Yeah, and just and just be fine. So yeah. very cool to see that relationship there. Also, linking it back to the scripture, um, connected in a way at that point, and, and I think that's what draws a lot of fear. Um, you also talked about scales earlier. Something that's awesome about scales is what it's made of. Can you quickly share what, what yeah, it's it, made of? It's keratin, like so many other things in the biological world. So, the the hair on your well, I won't say your hair on your head because. You're some bald, people are bald. <laughs> there are some baldies out there. Some people, huh? Especially yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, well, the hair on your face there. There you, you go. The bearded wonder. Um, hair, toenails. Um, when it comes to birds, you know, they have scales on their legs, keratin, beaks, all those things. So uh, it's, it's just like any of that stuff. 
Well, I think we've covered everything that we wanted to cover um, about snakes and being slimy today. If you have questions about snakes, you've heard us talk about a bunch of experiences that we have with snakes. We actually are those weirdos that love snakes. So please reach out to us. Um, We'd love to answer those questions for you. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to our link tree and any of our social accounts and find our Patreon and become a, a monthly member. We'd greatly appreciate that. Also, we love to see our podcast moving up the charts on iTunes. A great way to help us with that is to leave us a rating or a review. I think both is even better, and we would definitely appreciate that as well. So we'll be back Thursday with another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Between now and then, we hope that you guys go outdoors, maybe find a snake, and enjoy time with your family and friends. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, Follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.